Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Who's ready for a fight? <laughs> now, who knew April showers were going to be snow showers? I certainly did not know that. <laughs> I, I mean, somebody told me last night, well, we're supposed to get snow tomorrow, and I thought, nah, it's April. And look at how warm it's been. That couldn't possibly be right. I don't know. I'm blown away that overnight we can have instant winter. Blows my mind. Uh, kind of crazy. Um, I love how God puts stuff together. Um, you know, we had Easter last week. God led Matt to pr- put this set together that totally gets you in, in a headspace that I want you. Just off Easter, just understanding what Christ has done and the resurrection and just how worthy Christ is. But he left with a job to be done. And sometimes we just, we look at the resurrection and we think, okay, yeah, he's alive and we've got life in him and it's all about life and living and we live. But there's really a war going on. And this morning, I, you know, this is a call to arms. We have got to arm ourselves and be prepared because we are in a war. It's a spiritual war. We don't see it, but I'm certain you guys are feeling it. Uh, there, there's tension every day with different things, and it's the enemy trying to get us distracted, get us focused on other things, and totally off what Christ would want us to do. Now, we're going to be in 1 Peter 4, um, and the precursor to that is really um, 1 Peter 3.18. It says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. And I love that verse because it really encapsulates the gospel in one place what he did, what he has done for us, and what's available to us. Now, Peter's written this book at a very interesting time. That's why I have this other little book here. Because as I was preparing for this, I came across sort of a, just a little chunk of information that I think it's concise and it gives us some insight to what those Christians that had just kind of encountered what had gone on were dealing with mentally. And you're going to be surprised because it's like, when we look at this, we're like, our problems are really small. (laughs) We are not dealing with half the stuff that the Christians of before had dealt with. So listen to this as I read. In July of the year A.D. 64, a great fire broke out in the city of Rome. Soon the entire city was engulfed in flames. Hundreds of public buildings burned to the ground. Thousands of houses were destroyed. And And most of the city's inhabitants were left homeless. History concludes that Emperor Nero set the fire to destroy the ramshackle buildings of Rome and make room to erect marble palaces and other monuments to his name. This event gave rise to the saying, Nero fiddled while Rome burned, even though the violin had not yet been invented. Historians of the time claim that Emperor Nero was seen looking over the city and enjoying the fire. The people were incensed to the point of revolution So Nero created a scapegoat to blame for the fire, a group of people called Christians. These Christians followed a man named Christ, about whom strange things were said. He had supposedly been crucified, then was raised to life again. 
There were wild rumors about the strange practices of his followers. These Christians were considered cannibals because they talked about meeting in houses, drinking blood, and eating the body of their master. They spoke about agape love feasts, where they greeted one another with a holy kiss and shared their innermost problems with each other. These stories became the basis for rumors of wild parties. Christians were already subject to suspicion. So when Nero blamed them for the burning of Rome, the people of Rome believed him. With the people's support, Nero initiated a series of persecutions against the Christians. Christians were dipped in tar and burned alive as torches to light Nero's gardens when he threw outdoor parties. They were tied to chariots and dragged through the streets of Rome until dead. They were thrown to the lions. They were sealed up in leather bags and thrown into the water so that when the leather bags shrank, the Christians inside were squeezed and suffocated to death. In a hundred other cruelly inventive ways, Nero exploited satanically inspired hatred against Christians and used them to satiate his own sadistic lusts. This time of unbelievable harsh persecution of Christians in Rome was the context for the epistle of 1 Peter. Have you had that hard of a week? I don't think so. I don't think so, but if you don't think there is a war going on, you're asleep. You're asleep. And this whole idea of a call to arms is waking up to the fact that we've got to get into the fight. And it's not a fight where we are fighting physically, but it's a spiritual, emotional fight that we're called to. And I can't help, I'm always reminded, especially at Easter, of just Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. I just, I can't imagine. He knew everything that was going to happen. Mentally preparing for that, I, I can't even imagine it. He suffered physically. And he knew what was coming. Yet, his, his headspace was, not my will, yours be done. Now those words are so easy to say, aren't they? We're ready to say, yeah, I want God's will in my life and I want to do what God wants us to do, wants me to do. But are we that ready? Because there's really a similar response Christ wants from us. He wants us to lay down our life. There's so much work to be done here there are so many people, especially in the time in which we live, more and more people um, have no spiritual background, have no idea of who God is, about what he really wants to do for them, what he offers them. People are just becoming more and more unaware. And their destiny, we know what their destiny is, they have no clue. You know, the world, hell is going to be a party and, you know, their friends are going to be there and it's going to be a great time. And what a lie the enemy has put out there for them. Because it's not going to be anything like that whatsoever. Arm yourself with the attitude of Christ. Um, I, I want to read our passage today just because I want to get it in your head. And then we'll kind of break it down uh, really quick. At least that's what I think. Uh, if you want to follow along, page 1393, 1 Peter 4, 1-6. If not, you can certainly just read, uh, listen as I read. So then, since Jesus Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had. Be ready to suffer too. 
For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, the terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do, so they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God, who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That is why the good news was preached to those who are now dead, so although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. Be anxious to do the will of God. Is that how you woke up today? Anxious to do the will of God? It's kind of easy on a Sunday. Because <laughs> it's like our headspace is there, our focus is there. Not so easy on a Monday. You know, I don't know about you, Mondays I enjoy, it's my day off. So I look forward to them. Most people do not. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, it's back to the whole week thing. But being anxious to do the will of God, sometimes we think that, well, he just wants me to sit in a corner and read the Bible and not do anything. And that's not his will. I mean, he'd probably like that and would want you to do that, but what was his example? I mean, look at what Christ did. He was about getting into people's lives and reaching out, and God has put us all in a context, and we have to realize that. You know, sometimes we think we're just kind of stuck in circumstances, but God has put you in a context with a group of people, whether it's a neighborhood, whether it's a workspace, whether it's some kind of a group that you're a part of. You're in that context, and part of the will of God is living out loud for Christ. And again, I'm not talking about being offensive for Christ. Sometimes we can kind of take up that charge. But living in such a way where people see you as attractive, people see you as having something they don't, allowing the Spirit of God to fill you in such a way and permeate who you are in such a way where they see Christ in your life and want it, hunger for it, thirst for it. I mean, think about it. You know, where's to be salt, where to be light. So the light, the whole idea of just opening up people's eyes to this is Christ working in a life. Our words being salted so that people have a thirst for, well, you know, you said you went through this issue and this is how you dealt with it and how does that work? And making the conversation salty so that people come back wanting a little more water, a little more water, a little more water, and ultimately we'll probably get that living water, won't they? Which I think is so cool that God enables us to, to be a part of that, and that's part of his will. And that was part of what he was all about in his ministry. Ready to do the will of God. Now, part of that is Stop chasing your own desires. And you're like, ah, see, there it is. It's all about I've got to give up my life and I've got to do all this. And I really want to unpack that a little bit. Because sometimes we get a little lost in what that really means. Because God has knit desires into your heart. And he wants you to pursue them for him. But sometimes our desires, our feelings, our emotions 
can lie to us, can bring us down paths that we really shouldn't go. So there's a little bit of discernment and differentiation that you have to really kind of bring to this whole idea of not chasing your own desires, but chasing the desires that God has put in your heart. Because see, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again, love, acceptance, worth, security, those are needs we all have. And when we don't feel that those needs are met, that's when we pursue desires that get us in trouble. Because what happens is, in our relationships, if we don't feel loved, we start pursuing people who help us feel loved. And they feel it. It's like every time I'm around them, there's this expectation. And oh, it's just, it's hard. Or maybe it's acceptance. So it's like you try to interact with people to try to gain a little bit more acceptance. And you know, maybe you alter what you say or how you say it or whatever the circumstances may be. But guess what? They feel that. And I'm sure you felt it too. The people who want you to kind of oh, always agree with them, or the, the people who, you know, they're always trying to get you on their side. The people who are always trying to, you know, they want you to build them up. You know, I, I'm doing good, right? I'm doing okay, right? I'm doing, you know, isn't this an okay thing, right? Because they're trying to find value. And then there are the people who are just kind of, you know, maybe they don't feel a little secure and they're finding their security and money, and so they're just focused on accruing money because that's their security. Those are not the desires God wants us to pursue because those can mislead us because they're very emotionally based. God has placed some very spiritual desires into our heart that he does want us to pursue that are, are, we can be passionate about. And the thing that we struggle with is they're all different for us. But they should build up the body. They should round out how we function here. I mean, I'll tell you, I'm so excited. We have an incredible team of workers downstairs that are working in our children's ministry from the nursery all the way up to sixth grade. Unbelievable group. And some, you know, some of you are in here and you're going to be working down there next hour, right? Unbelievable group. They're faithful. They're here every week. And they're passionate for what they do. That's what has made the children's ministry incredible. They're passionate for what they do. They're here, they're prepared, they're willing to do whatever is needed to help a child understand the love of God. Love that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm up here a little torn. I, I'm kind of missing being down there today, being a part of that, being a part of the kids and what's going on there. But it's like, I'm passionate about being up here. And God has just use this week to really prepare me for this morning. And I am ready to talk to you about God and say, you've got to be ready for the fight. And if you don't realize there's a fight going on, you've got to wake up. And again, I'm not talking about making massive changes in your life, and I'm not saying that you have to do things in such a way where all of a sudden you become reclusive. No. In fact, I'm going to say some of the opposite. I'm going to say we need to be in the world and we need to be permeating all of these places that we have pulled out of and be a light and be a witness for Christ and show people what Christianity should look like. There's plenty of examples out there. There are plenty of people out there that give Christians a bad name. It happens. 
And some of that, some of that is, you know, there's a good-heartedness at that. And they're, they're trying to reach people for Christ, but they're so passionate. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you. Have you ever? I know there was a time when I, I interacted with some Christians, and I'm thinking, man, if that's the Christian life, boy, that's pretty scary. Have you ever, anybody, of, anybody of you out there met some of those people? Yeah. That's scary. But we have an opportunity to show them what it should look like, to, to show them what it can be, to show them that the Christian life is something different than what they think it is. Because there's some preconceived notions out there, wouldn't you agree? Preconceived notions about what Christians are supposed to be. You know, we're supposed to be the doormats of society. You know, we're supposed to roll over anything. We're never supposed to stand up for issues. We're just supposed to take it, take it, you know, turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek. You know, we only have two. <laughs> anyway. But the next piece of this is be finished with sin. Let that soak in. Because that was one of the words that, one of the phrases, you know, it is finished. But sometimes we're not finished with sin. We dance around it. We get really close to it. We, we let it control us. And we are free from it if we're in Christ. You know, I had a friend who we used to go round and round on this because he was like, you know, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. And yes, I believe he was at one time. But if you come to Christ, you have a different identity. Yes, you will struggle with sin, but your identity is a saint. Your identity is a priest. Your identity is one of God's sons or daughters, not sinner. We get a new name or a new creation. All things become new. Yes, we're going to deal with sin because it's all around us. And because the flesh, our physical part, hasn't been glorified yet, it deals with it. But we have got to be finished with sin. We have got to have it in our mind that it does not have to control us. We don't have to give in to it. Flee. That's all we have to do. Flee from it. But sometimes we just kind of like, because we get something from it, and so we get really kind of close. It's close. Well, no, that doesn't look really close to you. So I'll get over here so I can scare some of you. We get really, really close to the edge, and it's like, well, I'm not in sin. But you're hovering over it. The scent of sin is wafting up. And it's, I don't say this as a criticism, but we don't have to stay there. We've got to say, I'm done with this. It, it doesn't solve my problems, it doesn't answer the questions. It doesn't do anything for me. In fact, it only causes problems. Now, I understand. I, I'm completely understanding that, yeah, there are going to be times where we're going to just step off and it's going to happen. Let's not focus there. Let that be the far and few between and not the every day or every week or every month. But we've got to come to a, a headspace where we're finished with it. We're not going to let, go down those paths anymore. It was interesting counseling with somebody, and 
you know, originally they were kind of, I don't know if there's God or whatever, and I, I don't know what I believe about this. And I said, okay, God's not afraid of that. I said, if you don't believe, you know, where God is or if he is, just say, hey, if you're real, show me. And this particular individual, he's, all right. All right, God, you know, if you're there, show me. And he kind of prayed that or said that throughout the week. And God showed up. And he was blown away. And so he started pushing the envelope a little further. Okay, if, if you're real, you know, it's like this situation really needs to get worked out in my life. And this situation really needs to happen in, you know, my brother's life or whatever. And all of a sudden, God started showing up. And finally, he came to Christ. And he's like, I don't feel different, though. He says, I, I feel peace, which I've never felt before. But I, I still have some of those thoughts. I still have some of those things. And, you know, the best way to, for me to show that is, I don't know, how many of you guys hike? Anybody, any hikers out there? Okay, right. So the, the paths we find, right, the well-traveled paths are clear, aren't they? You're pretty, you know, there's not much stuff in them. They're nice and open, or, you know, at least you can get through them well. And so, you know, in our lives, when we sin, that's, you know, we, we're going down that same path, same path, same path. I said, you've got to cut some new paths in your life now. Now, it'll take a while for the old paths to overgrow. But when you start cutting a new path and you go down those trails, they will become the well-worn, they will become the easier, they will become the ones that you'll want to, to stay in. And that's what is true for us as well. If we expect to do the same thing and not fall into sin, we're only fooling ourselves. We've got to cut some new paths into our life and be finished with sin. All right. Arm yourself with the attitude of Christ. Be anxious to do the will of God. Don't get entangled with evil things godless people enjoy. It's interesting. Um, I think it was Friday. Um, it was Ashley and Shannon and my wife and myself. And we were all in the kitchen kind of finishing up with a meal and... Um, we're, music is a huge part of our family, uh, and so we were just, Ashley's always on Spotify, and now as a Starbucks member, she gets some higher thing, well, clueless. She gets it free now, so anyways. So we can listen to stuff without um, commercials. And so she's going through stuff, and she's like, oh, let's look at some old music. And so it's like she's you know, listening to some old music, and it's all old Christian music, right? From like the 80s she started with, which is, when you listen to 80s Christian music, oh my goodness, it is so sedate. <laughs> it is so calm. And the funny part is, is we were like, oh, this song was, this song, I thought that song was a really upbeat song. In comparison to what today's music is, that song sounds like funeral song. <laughs> it was, I was like, wow. And so then there was this one song we used to sing, oh, well, this song, oh, remember, it was so upbeat. And so Ashley's searching for it, and she finds it. And she's playing it, and it's like, uh, we're all like, oh, I don't think that's it. It doesn't sound like, it. we remember that being so up-tempo. And it was it. And it was like, oh, that is the song. I guess it is. And that's the thing. It's like things slowly move to where today, and the music I listen to today I don't think is like off the charts crazy, 
But compared to some of the stuff that I used to think was so upbeat, so up-tempo, it is different. And I, I just, I can't help it. I don't know if you were, how long some of you have been around, but Walt does a great job of helping us understand. We, we never jump into the fire of sin. I think this is the side he always uses as the good side. <laughs> the righteous side. <laughs> I'm not implying anything. But he's always done a great job because it's always, you know, it's a step. One little step. And then, you know, it becomes comfortable. And then a step and a step. And, you know, all of a sudden you're over here where you don't want to be. And it was only one step, really. But it was a whole bunch all along the way. And we can't dance that way with sin. We can't. It's too harmful. It hurts too much. But even more importantly, that's what put our Savior on the cross. Why would we want to get involved with that? And the world, we've got to be in the world. He wants us in the world. You know, in John, he's saying, you know, we, we, we've got to be in the world. We've got to be the salt. We've got to be the light. We've got to be there, but we cannot become like the world. And there's a gentle balance that you've got to keep. Not adopting the world's ways, not adopting the world's conversation, not adopting the world's ideals. And sometimes it is tricky. Because sometimes it's like some of that stuff is really appealing because it feeds the flesh. Some of that stuff makes us feel loved, makes us feel accepted, makes us feel valuable, makes us feel secure. But it's a lie. If we're not having those needs met in Christ, we're only going to crash and burn. Because the world, they suck you in. That's kind of how it works. They lead you in. Come on, it's great. I'll be wearable. <laughs> Toast. It's funny. I don't know about you. <laughs> My mind goes in weird places sometimes. But the background today while we were singing, I'm like, either Willy Wonka's going to show up or the Wizard of Oz. I'm not sure who. <laughs> but in all of that, it's still just... <laughs> The big lie. That's what the world has, is the big lie. And God has the truth, and he does not want us to follow anything that looks like the world, sounds like the world, tastes like the world, any of that. But we've got to learn how to navigate it. Because more and more of the people around us are unsaved and need what we have. And if, if it becomes the best kept secret in our life, how on earth are they ever going to feel the love of God? Because he's put us in those lives. In the neighborhoods, in the workplaces, in the groups we're a part of. The families that we're in, and that's the hardest one. That's the one we're probably the most criticized in. The most condemned in. Oh, you're the... I've got those people in my family too. 
who'll point the finger and say, how dare you, and no, you're just that, and it's like, hey, I'm just trying to help. And if you don't want to believe me, God will make it clear at some point in your life, whether here or there. Arm yourself with the attitude of Christ. Be anxious to do the will of God. Don't get entangled with the evil things that godless people do, be it their lifestyle, pursuits, indulgences, excesses, idol worship. It's like, oh, that's, that's old stuff. Oh, no, no, no. There's a whole new set of idols today. You know, look at American Idol. Fame, give me fame, give me fortune. There's a whole new set. Yet, there's nothing new under the sun, so it's really the same stuff, just a different packaging of it all. Next, influence others for eternity instead of being influenced by the world. Who are you influencing? Anybody? Are there people that you are pursuing? That you have on a prayer list somewhere? That you're trying to get close to? I mean, our UPS guy has become the most elusive person I've ever seen. Because I'm always trying to talk to him. And it's like, if he doesn't need a signature, he is like a ninja. It's like all of a sudden a box will show up, and I'm like, I didn't even hear this guy come in. It's unbelievable. Because he's not really excited about spiritual things. He's got a family, he's got some children, and he's just not excited about spiritual things. Occasionally he'll, he'll talk, and it's very small talk, and it's like he's usually like got one foot out the door. But who are you influencing? If you're a parent, make sure you're influencing your kids for Christ because whether you know it or not, you are. (laughs) That's one thing I know working with youth. Parents have the largest impact both ways on their kids. And I say this to be just a little pointed. I say this in love. But if you're one thing here and another thing at home, your kids see that, and it's so confusing for them. Because it's like, is being a Christian, you go to church and be that way, and then you like this every other place and every other time? I mean, I've counseled with kids who are, it's like, they're struggling. If you want your kids to be reading the Word of God, make sure you're reading the Word of God. If you want your kids in prayer, make sure you're in prayer. And the best part is to try to bring them into that. So not only are they seeing you doing that, but they're being a part of that as well. We've got to be consistent. As consistent as we can in all places. Because they're watching. And so is the world. So is the world. They want to see Christianity work. And I think they're just waiting to see, does it really work? Because it's like this person, their life's a mess. That person, their life's a mess. And they allow the mess to consume them instead of let God come in and help them work it out. 
Christ wants us to be in the fight. To arm ourselves with what he was about. I mean, his whole focus for all that span of his ministry was, I have got to communicate the gospel to people so that when this all goes down, they understand what's going on. But we have got to move away from the world. We have got to move away from their thinking, their loves and passions, and show them there's a better way. Show them that there's so much more than that. Arm yourselves with the attitude of Christ. Be anxious to do the will of God. Don't get entangled with the evil things godless people enjoy. Influence others for eternity instead of being influenced by the world. Tomorrow is not certain. I don't know if you think about that from time to time. You know, sometimes it's on my radar, sometimes it's not. But tomorrow is not certain. This afternoon's not certain, really. The next service isn't certain. I mean, if we're part of the rapture, that'd be really cool. We'll be gone. But that's bittersweet. Because I know a whole bunch of people who have no clue who Christ is. Not a clue. And they won't go. And I know you know a whole bunch of people who don't know Christ. That if we were taken up before this next service, they wouldn't go. And then to think of what their destiny would be. And this plan is so simple. And it's like, I don't know, it blows my mind that people would not choose Christ. But I think, you know, one of the lies of the world is we've got time. I mean, that's the lie of youth, right? We've got plenty of time. And I remember being there. I remember being, you know, 18, 19 years old and thinking, oh man, people who are 30, they're ancient. <laughs> Not so ancient anymore, are they? <laughs> but tomorrow's not certain. And we have got to be about our Father's business. That's where Christ was. It matters to God what you trust. Even the demons believe that God exists. But it matters to God what we trust. And if we're not trusting Christ as Savior, we're believing a lie. Lastly, only those who have Christ will have an eternity with God in heaven. And that's where our first verse started. Because all that Christ did was to provide that. Salvation to the world. And I can't help but thinking, you know, we're coming off of Easter. And the joy of resurrection. There's life, there's life, there's life, there's life, right? He is alive, he is alive. Yet sometimes that's the best kept secret in our life. Because we let life dictate how we live. We let life confuse us. (laughs) We let life take our attention. One verse. I'm going to leave with you. No, actually, that's not true. It's three verses. Just to remind us of what the attitude of Christ is. Philippians 2, 5-8 tells us this. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very form God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And if it's good enough for God, it should be good enough for us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, Lord, thankful for who you are. And Lord, we're humbled at the obedience of Christ. And Lord, it's a challenge, and you know that, but you are faithful to provide the strength that we need through your Spirit, just as you did with Christ. Lord, we are weak, but Lord, you tell us when we are weak, you are strong. So Lord, strengthen us today that we will listen to this call of arms, that we will take up and arm ourselves with the mind of Christ, redeeming each and every day for the kingdom. Humbling ourselves, Lord. It's so hard sometimes to be a witness and to be thought less of or to be belittled as a result of it. But Lord, the same happened to you. Lord, we are so thankful that we have a hope and we know where our future is. And Lord, help us to be witnesses of that. Lord, use us to bring others to Christ, to bring honor and glory to your name each and every day. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.